0: Hey, this is Taylor Strickland. I'm one of the pastors at Second Baptist Church West Campus, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message teaches you, inspires you, and strengthens your faith. To learn more about our Second Students ministry, just check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Search Second Students West. Enjoy the podcast.
1: And welcome to the Second Students West podcast. We are thrilled that you decided to click on this message today. We hope that it will be a blessing to you whenever you're listening to it in the morning, at night, at school, whatever you're doing. We know you will love it. I have with me Seth and Taylor who spoke to our high school and to our junior high students this past Sunday. And we're just going to get some thoughts from them on the message, expand a little bit. And talk with them about what they got to share in junior high and high school this week. So, let's just start it off. What's Seth? going on? Hey. Hey. Glad,
2: glad y'all are here. Glad you're listening. <laughs> we are here. And so,
1: let me t- ask y'all, Seth, yeah. what was your highlight of this past Sunday?
2: Oh, um, man, my highlight of the Sunday, I think it was really good to see some people back yeah. for the first time in a few months. I know that... Um, people that have not come back to church in person, um, yet because of some of the concerns of the virus. And so we've been trying to create a safe environment. Um, and, uh, yeah, some people who decided that today was the right day or Sunday was the right day to come back was awesome to see them. And uh, we miss those who are listening right now who have not come back for those reasons and totally respect that. And I uh, hope that we get to see you soon. Yeah. And we, we do want you to know that, uh, we've created a real, a real, a very safe environment, um, for, sure. for you guys. And so we'd hope to see you back soon, but that was my highlight was seeing some faces that we hadn't seen in a while.
1: Yeah, it was really yeah. fun. Taylor, what about you? What was your highlight? Yeah, just
0: getting to connect with kids. It was really cool, but I think my favorite part or just a cool moment that I had, it was just with, uh, I want to mention a student's name, Ronnie. Uh, he knows who he, who he is. Love Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie's just a super cool kid. Ronnie. He's in seventh grade. <laughs> and, uh, and during my message, I, I asked him to lift up a 50 pound sandbag. That's good. And, Ronnie probably weighs 50 pounds, so there's there's no <laughs> way that he could lift. Uh, he he could barely hold it up; like he had to set it down. Uh, but it was when I was talking about consistency of like getting into the gym more often, and like I started a, at a small amount of weight, and now this 50 pound sandbag is super easy, and show off. that I no, maybe <laughs> <laughs> But I got to kind of just show him, like you know, not not just Ronnie, but I I used him in his ex, as an example of like. I started smaller and now through being consistent, I have been able to progress and lift more and more and more. So uh, I just enjoy doing that. So fun.
1: I love that. Okay, I want to ask you both, so you both st- start off your message um, with this idea about feeling stuck, about how we can feel stuck in certain situations, whether it's spiritually or whatever else, so um, Seth, I'll start with you. What is one time when you particularly felt stuck, and how did you overcome that or get past that, whatever it may have been?
2: Yeah, the title of the message was going from here to there, and so when, when you're in any stage of life, whether it's... Um, whether it's like in a situation, trying to make it through, or it's a relationship, or maybe it's um, in your spiritual walk. For me, a moment that I think about um, was more of a situational kind of moment where I felt stuck, trying to get from from point A to point B. And when you can't make it through, you do feel that way. Um, And I think of my freshman year of college um, when I went to Liberty University, and I thought that I was going to, which it was, a very Christian university, um, a lot of biblical Truths and things, and um, you know, I I didn't really, I wasn't a part of the party scene when I was in high school. Um, There were students who did it and who drank and who did other things that are are not right to do, Um, and so I wasn't a part of that. And so I thought that liberty would protect me from that. And when I went as a freshman, I had a roommate who was on the hockey team, and I won't say his name, but he he did not live the way that I lived, he did not have the morals that I had and believed in, and so I, I felt. I think I was kind of sheltered a little bit as I was a student, um, but also chose not to be a part of those things. So as a freshman, when I went in, um, this roommate that I had who I didn't know was very much in the party scene, and I thought that liberty was not going to be that, right? And so um, just having to figure out, um, God, why did you bring me to this Christian university to learn how to be a pastor when I have a roommate who is not living for the Lord and who is partying and who is actually drinking in our dorm and doing things that I just was (laughs) not— aware of really wasn't around. Um, so the hardest thing for me was trusting. The last point that I talked about was there's a purpose that God had a purpose for me in that process with him. And the cool thing is that I got to, um, ultimately share Christ with him and really talk to him. He had lost his brother, his twin brother in a car accident as a, Mm -hmm. as a child. And it was really hard on him. There was some trauma in his life. And so I got to just not really teach him anything or, um, or, or, you know, throw the Bible in his face, but just to be, as, be there for him as a friend, as a person, to hear him, to listen to him. And so that was a moment where I felt stuck and, and really relied on uh, trusting that the Lord had me there for a reason, even though I didn't expect it. Yeah. And so that's why I felt stuck because I was just mm-hmm. in this position that I didn't expect. That's so, cool. Yeah. yeah.
1: Taylor, what about you?
0: For me, it was funny because I shared a picture of this on Sunday, but it was like a video of a truck getting stuck in the mud where literally I've been stuck in that type of position, but that's not really what I had to hit on uh, mine similar to success is similar to when I was in college and um, and this was this was right around it was my in between sophomore and junior year during the summer I had a church internship, and I just wanted to be the the super cool summer intern at my home church and Lo and behold, God, like, tugged on my heart so strong that I felt like this is where I'm going to have my career. This is what I'm going to do for for the rest of my life. And I wasn't sure because I was set, like, I was going to do accounting. I was going to work for one of the big four. I was going to do all this that would make so much more money than I am now. But it's just, I was stuck in, like, do I, this is what I'm feeling God is leading me into. But I wasn't sure, like, if that was true. Um, or if that was really God telling me that, like, you know, I want you to be a pastor. I want you to, d- like, every day put in physical work, physical hard labor for me um, as, like, a, a vocational minister. And um, and it, it it was back and forth of, like, am, am I going to switch majors? Am I going to leave Texas A&M University? Am I going to... Um, go to seminary straight away, or what is that going to look like? And I was bouncing off all these ideas. And uh, and one way that I got unstuck was truly talking to someone who was in my similar position, who was my, my pastor at the time at the church that I interned for. And he said, like, he had a similar experience of when he was feeling called into ministry. And uh, he basically said, like, this is what I did, and it worked. Um, and I reached out to another person. I reached out to another person. And it was just getting all that affirmation from other people who knew me personally that affirmed my call to ministry and saying like this, like this, I can definitely see you as. Um, and so that that really got me unstuck. But it was that whole process of back and forth. Is this truly what I'm supposed to do? Is it disappointing some other people that would say like, oh, you can make like this much money? at the accountant job versus what you're going to make in ministry. And it was like, you know, my, that's not what I'm going for. I'm going for like, how, how am I going to honor God with my choices each and every day? And that was to fulfill that call to full-time ministry. Yeah, Yeah,
1: that's great. I think it's cool for both of your stories. It's cool to see how, even though you felt stuck Um, the Lord wasn't stuck. He was moving and working through all of those situations. And I think that's true for all of us when we feel stuck or at a plateau or whatever it is that he is working through all of those situations. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, You both talk about consistency in your message, Um, consistency in a variety of ways. So what are some practical practical ways that you can stay consistent? Mm -hmm. Seth, I'll start with you.
2: Um, I just— I think that, and I talked about this in the message you'll hear in just a moment, but I think um, how you start and how you end is so important. And it's both, it's not, you know, it's not about how you start, it's how you finish um, or vice versa, but you've got you to set yourself up in the best way as you start it and as you finish. And so um, when you do that, I would say for both of those, start small. If you want to be consistent, you want to do the same things, the right things over and over and over again, start small, which was kind of the first point power of one. Start small. Sometimes we have massive goals that we create for ourselves, and we can't be consistent in those things because they're too big, and they're just impossible. So start small, and then I would say for finishing, keep the main thing the main thing. That's prioritizing, right? When you keep the main thing the main thing, um, you're saying, why am I doing this? Why am I wanting to be consistent? It's because I want to accomplish this. Um, and so for me, in everything I do, truly, keeping the main thing the main thing is, is seeing people specifically students come to know Jesus Christ, so I have to remind myself that's why I do what I do, yeah, yeah.
1: that's good, Taylor I like that a what lot. about you
0: For me, thinking about consistency, like I'm always taken back to to the gym because that's so important that's how you're gonna see progress and how you like physically see progress um and and one thing that's helped me the most is truly getting someone to walk alongside you and to keep you consistent or someone that you can keep consistent um of a of a an accountability partner and um like it's someone that i would that i would work out with or someone that i would just bounce off ideas of like what would this exercise do and it translates the exact same way when i'm talking about my spiritual life of if i have someone who's studying the word with me then i'm more likely to continue doing that and uh, what Seth said is perfect of starting small, not, not being so overwhelmed in the very beginning. Cause like new year's resolutions come around and you have people that set outrageous goals that are absolutely unattainable and that overwhelms them and that it's impossible to reach that goal. And so if you start small, like I'm going to, you know, read this small amount of passage each and every day, or, uh, I'm going to read one gospel, however fast it's going to be in just, but doing those small things doing something every day creates that habit it takes scientifically it says it takes 21 days to form a habit whether that's a bad habit or a good habit and so consistency as long as you're keeping up with their good habits and creating those then it's going to be so much simpler and easier to do and it's going to be it's going to become a lifestyle
1: yeah it's great um, lastly, the last thing I want to talk about is you all both talked about patience, and I think we live in a, in the culture in a society that wants things right away. Amazon Prime, DoorDash, so hard to be patient. Netflix. <laughs> yeah. We can get anything. A Pop-tarts. lot. Thing- pop tarts. Pop tarts. <laughs> I can't even wait for
2: my you pizza mean, pockets to cook. Okay. Uh, thirty exactly. seconds in the microwave. I can't wait thirty seconds for a pop tart to <laughs> come out of the toaster. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Who still hard. eats those? It's a I hard do. life. I'm 29. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. Hard it's times. Your point.
1: Um, But patience, Um, we want everything right now. And Seth and I were talking before this, before we recorded this, that a lot of times when we become impatient, we're becoming me-focused, focused focused on ourselves rather than becoming God-focused. So being patient, um, have you all seen that work in your life? Good. And how do you, um, I guess, sustain yourself through the patience? Because it is really hard to be patient. And so, Seth, you want to
2: take it away? Well, I love it. Well, I'll get to what Taylor said in a second. But I just, like you said, um, if, you're, if you're finding yourself constantly impatient, and not just in your walk with Christ, we're talking about, you know, in waiting for um, whatever you said, Taylor, your, um, your toaster, strudel, or your— Pizza, your pizza yeah, pocket, Pizza yeah, pizza pocket, Right, or waiting in line somewhere or, or waiting in traffic, right? If you have a problem with being impatient, um, then you're too, in my opinion, me-focused, right? If, if you're patient and you can really work on that and practice that, Um, which is a fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, then it's God-focused. It's I'm more concerned with what God wants and why He wants me to wait than I am about me getting what I want right now. And so um, I would say that the voices matter in the sense of who is is speaking into you? Who is feeding that truth, as you mentioned, saying, hey, here's why you need to wait. Maybe Mm. God, like when you go through something and you feel stuck, as we said at the beginning, who are the voices in your life that are saying, Hey, God has a plan. God has a purpose. Hey, God wants to use this. Hey, let's flip the, you know, flip the perspective. Let's see it differently. And I I would encourage you students or whoever's watching to really monitor, like, like we control who we allow to speak into our lives. And sometimes, many times, all of us allow the wrong people to speak into our lives. Yeah. Sometimes it takes cleaning things out and, and, and then finding the right people. And so I would encourage whoever you are to have the right voices. Generally, but also when it comes to being patient. That's good. Mm. I like
0: that. And someone who speaks into your life who actually knows you. Because, like, a lot of times, like, you can, you can find motivational speakers online and they can, they can motivate you to do or uh, encourage you to do something, but they don't know you and how you work. That's uh, true. One thing, like, when you were saying, like, it, it just made me, this, this is just a, a quick nugget or if you want to put this on an Instagram post, it's a good caption. But who wants to eat a half-cooked pizza pocket? or a a pizza roll or hot pocket, whatever. Mm. Like like my patience, I'm not going to be fully done, cooked, formed, created, whatever word you want to put in if I'm trying to rush the process. Yeah. And that patience, that like I'm each and every day from getting from here to there, from A to B, I'm being formed each and every day until I reach my destination. Yep. And if I try to rush that, I'm not going to experience the same growth as I would if I try to twitch my nose and instantly jump to B or instantly get to my
2: destination. Well, that's when things get out of control. That's yeah. when you take, every, you try to take things in your own hands, mm-hmm. and we realize that we weren't built or made to have control. That's God. Yeah. And so when we try to do that, we can't handle and balance and manage everything, mm-hmm. and we start making bad decisions, and we start rushing things. And so... That's why the trust in the weight, the trust in the process is so important. Yeah. yeah. He was meant to control and hold those things, not us. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I'd try I, I'd not try. I remember an illustration that I heard or that I saw one one pastor do and it was like just based on control of try try gripping a pile of sand tightly in your hands. There if you if you squeeze too hard, sand goes between the creases of your fingers. Mm. And everything it, but if you hold it loosely, Like a a cupped palm, and your fingers are loose. You're not trying to hold all. Like you're not trying to have control of every single grain of sand. You're able to hold more of it in your hands. And it's like by letting go of control, you actually have more control because you know who is in control. That's good. That's That's a a nugget. I need to write that down.
1: Like that. Like that. That's awesome. Well, I'm excited for you all to hear Seth's message and Taylor's message. Here is
2: our message that was given to our high school students from Seth. They pass through and they see a man who was begging. The man also was crippled, he could not walk. And it says that the man there, the man was there every single day. And so what happens is, is the man asks them for money. And in verse 4, Acts 3, verse 4, here's what it says. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave him them his attention expecting to get something from them then Peter said silver or gold I do not have but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk and so what happens is the man gets up he can walk for the first time in his life he starts jumping around praising God and people are astonished they're amazed and a crowd starts to gather right Peter and John didn't do anything they just killed a man And the crowd forms, and so they take the opportunity to start talking about Jesus, to start preaching Jesus' name. And then they're taken before the Sanhedrin. Who were the Sanhedrin? They were kind of the the, the top officials, the chief officials of the Jewish community. And they take them before Peter and John before them and begin to discipline them. And check out what happens in chapter 4 while Peter and John are in front of the Sadducees. It says in Acts 4 verse 4, but many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So again, here's what happens. Peter and John, they're on their way. They would have done this before. This was not a one-time thing. They did it regularly as Jews, and so they went into the temple, and they passed a man who was probably there every single day, right? Have you ever driven um, down I-10 or on the feeder road, and you've seen Someone who was asking for money, right? You've probably seen the same person a few times. This man was in a similar situation, except he also couldn't walk. And he's asking for money, and Peter John would have seen him before, but today, for some reason, they stopped. I want you to notice that, right? They didn't keep walking like the day before, or the day before, or the week before. They stopped. And the man is begging for money. And it says that he turns to Peter and John, and he, it says in the Scripture, thinks that they're about to give something to him, a.k.a. money, right? So imagine this man when Peter and John go, money we don't have, right? They're, the man's like, "But that's, like, that's what I need. Like, I need, I need money. Sometimes the people that God has put in your life, he's put you in their lives, not to give them what they want, but to help them find what they need. Did you track me there? Sometimes, many times, God's put people as a friend or as a family member, it's really hard to point people towards what they need and what's best for, him, for them instead of what they want. That's called leadership. And I'm looking at a room, you may not feel this way, but because you're a believer in the room, if you are a Christian, you are a leader. You carry the gospel. You carry God's word. You know it. You live it. And it's hard to teach people and show people truth. That's what's best for them. And so this man wanted money, but Peter and John said, no, we know what's best for you. And what do they do? They heal him. And I want you to see this. By their one action. Why did I read chapter 4? By their one action, what happens? 5,000 only men recorded are saved. 5,000 come to know Jesus Christ. Because of one action, because of one conversation, Because of one intentional moment. It's the power of one. The power of one. I love that they didn't have to work really hard. We have a saying in our office, and the saying is this, work harder, not smarter. Anybody ever heard that before? I mean, sorry, vice versa. (laughs) Work smarter, that's me. I work harder, not smarter. Amen, Aaron? Yes. Work smarter, not harder. That's what we say, because it's really easy to work hard, But it's actually harder to work smarter. But when you work smarter, greater things can happen. Peter and John, they didn't have to draw a crowd. They didn't have to get a megaphone and start preaching. They didn't have to become famous. They didn't have to become influencers. They didn't have to promote anything. Someone once said The loudest voice in the room is seldom the wisest voice. The loudest voice in the room is seldom the wisest voice. They didn't have to draw a big crowd. They simply took one moment to invest in somebody's life, to get out of their way. And we've talked about being intentional in this room. You've heard that. You know, it's important to me. I wear a bracelet that says intentional because it's really, really important to me. They were intentional and they said, let's just focus on this moment, on this person, and let God do what God does. Students, the power of one. One decision, one conversation One action can start a movement. That's true. It's called the ripple effect, right? You guys ever thrown like a stone on the water, right? You skipped a stone. I'm terrible at doing that. I throw it. It just goes right in the water, all right? Some of you are probably good at it, right? And when you do it, it creates ripples. One stone creates multiple ripples. The ripple effect, that one thing, one moment, one conversation can start a movement. Now think about that with God. We start small and trust that God will use it. So movements start small. I want to read you this verse. It's Luke 16, 10. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. God wants to see you, students, listen, be faithful with little. He wants to see you be faithful with what you've been given. Man, I have learned that so much at 29 years old in 2020 than ever before. Be faithful with what you have. Be faithful. If it's little, if it's, if it's the size of this Six-inch block, okay, be faithful with it. Maybe you you can't influence thousands of people or hundreds of people or five people. That's okay. Be faithful with what God has given you. Be faithful where he has you and watch him grow that in your life. The second one is this, the power of consistency. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you, Always giving yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The power of consistency. So not only one single action or conversation or decision or moment can create a movement, but consistency is how you see it through. Consistency. If you want to get from here to there, you've got to be consistent. And that's really hard to do, right? Like we're, I don't think any of us are like amazing at consistency. Have you ever, um, in the new year, had New Year's resolutions, and then come March or April or May, they kind of drop off, right? I've done that so many times. No joke, for the last three years, I've made it a goal of mine to read the Bible all the way through, from January to December. Y'all, I've gotten to like March and April every single time. I just, I I lost track. I'm I'm a great starter, but I'm not a great finisher. You've got to be consistent if you want to see it through. And there's a saying that says, it's not about how you start, it's how you finish. I really disagree with that because I think it's both. I think both are really important. It's about how you start and it's about how you finish. So maybe you have a problem being consistent in things. Put, put aside our walk with Christ for a second because that's the obvious thing here. What are you not good at being consistent in, in your life? Is it a good friend? Is it a good son or daughter? Is it getting your work done in school? Like you have a great semester and then the next one just drops off, that was me. Is it the other things that you're having to juggle and do, if it's FFA, if it's band, if it's choir, if it's theater, if it's sports, are you good at being consistent all the way through, seeing it through? You've got to be a great starter and a great finisher, and it's so important in our walk as well. When you start, I want to encourage you to start the right way, start the smart way. Right, like for me, I realized this year that the goal of trying to read the Bible in the text, like reading it, looking at it, is not good for me. (laughs) Because I have OCPD, legitimately, obsessive compulsive personality disorder. I can't really focus. And I also have dyslexia. And so I was like, hmm, maybe I'm not starting the right way. Maybe instead of reading it all the way through, I can listen to it all the way through. And so next year, I'm going to try that. But how you start is important. What does it look like for you? How do you start in the best way? How do you set yourself up for success? As a new believer, if you're a new Christian in the room, if you're a Christian, we've all been in that place, it can be like drinking from a fire hose when you come to know Christ, right? Like there's so much in the Bible. Where do I start? Where do I go? How do I learn, right? I, I talked to a new believer, brand new believer. Like I've, I've never seen a student so amazing who has never really known much about the Bible come to know Christ and want to learn than I have the past month. A student in this ministry, so awesome. It's a breath of fresh air. Because a lot of you, myself included, grew up in church. This person didn't. And they've been gone for a long time. And so to come back and be so raw, but it can be hard, right? It can be hard, there's so much. And so when you start things, start it in a smart way. What does that look like for you? You know yourself. Set yourself up for success. And then finishing, you finish when you follow through, right? You know, basketball, if you've ever heard or played basketball before, a great thing to do in your shot is to follow through because it helps you finish your motion when you shoot the ball. Follow through is important. So what's keeping you from following through when it comes to finishing? If you're like me and you can't finish things, what's, what's in the way of you following through? Let's go back to the verse. In verse 58, it said, stand firm and let nothing move you. What are the things in your life When it comes to consistency, that are moving you, right? What are the things that are getting in the way that you start something, you start trying to read your Bible every single day or have a quiet time or just read one verse or listen to the Bible app or start a habit of prayer and then something gets in the way? What is that? What keeps you from standing firm? And then the second thing he said was to give yourself fully. Are you fully invested? Sometimes we're not consistent because we're not really fully invested. It's not an important thing. So the power of one, power of consistency. Remember, sometimes we feel like this six-inch block of wood, and we're like, man, I'm so small. How do I get to where I want to be or where I think God wants me to be? We're talking about purpose. How do I get there? Here's the third one. I think it's the most important one. The power of the process. Power of one, power of consistency, the power of the process. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. I want to read those. This is before the moment in Acts chapter 3 where Peter and John go into the temple and heal a man and thousands come to know Christ by one action. And it's a moment where the disciples really feel stuck. But here's, here's what happened. It says in verse 6, Then they gathered around him, Jesus, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Great question. Here's what that question means. What they're saying is, Jesus, are you now, now that you died and you came back to life, are you going to do what you said you were going to do? Are you going to restore the the kingdom of Israel who is in oppression to the Roman government? Are you going to bring us back and restore us to where we were in the Old Testament? There was a prophecy actually in Daniel chapter 7. That talked about it. And we're not going to read it. But they had heard this for years and years and years. And so they finally asked Jesus, is now the time? And Jesus says, it is not for you in verse 7 to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. That's the response from Jesus. And he didn't really answer the question, right? He almost does like like a Jesus juke, right? He says, I don't even know the time. Or the day. That's up to God. Now imagine if you're the disciples. You think it's going to happen. And Jesus says, hey listen, it's not happening. In fact, I don't even know when it's going to happen. Disciples are like, okay. So what do we do? And then in verse 8 we have a pretty popular passage of scripture. Acts 1.8. Which is actually really important to our church. It's, it's, It's our strategy. What we call that. If you go to our website... And find this verse on our website. It's called our strategy. It's how we're going to reach people for Christ. Here's what he says. But I know you feel stuck. I know you're having to wait and you don't want to. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Or some translations say to the uttermost parts of the earth. Here's what happens right here. I want you to notice. He says there's a purpose to the process. There's a purpose to the process. You might feel stuck and you're going to have to stay here and I'm going to have to leave. I haven't told you that yet, but I'm leaving. But there's a purpose in the wait. There's a purpose in the process. Here's what it is. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit and then you're going to be my witnesses all over the earth. There's a purpose to the wait. What are some things that you think of to yourself when you think of waiting? I think of two things. I think of Black Friday shopping, which is coming up. Praise the Lord, I love Black Friday, okay? Some of y'all hate it. I love it, okay? Because I just, I don't know, I like being up at 12 a.m. and going shopping, okay? But you have to wait in long lines, right? Really long lines sometimes to get like a $200 PlayStation or a half-off TV or the Amazon Alexa or whatever it is. And it's worth the wait, right? Especially if it's something that you really, really want. Maybe it's hard for you to fathom that, but the adults in the room, they get it, right? Discount, I'm on that, okay? Or I think about Disney World. I, I love Disney, and uh, I really, really do. Um, and when I go there, you have to wait a long time in lines. But you know what? It's worth it because the, if you've ever ridden the Pandora ride, it's absolutely unbelievable, okay? Flights of passage. It, it's amazing, Right, if you know what I'm talking about. Go to Disney, please go. It is if you like. I can't. I, I just go one day. All right, it is so amazing. But you wait and you wait and you wait. And one thing Disney does is they make the waiting lines interactive, so it's really fun, and it takes your mind off the wait. But see, there's a purpose to those two things, those two waiting periods. What do you think of when you think of waiting? There's a reason. There's a purpose to the wait. And he tells them, "Hey, when you feel stuck." And I haven't come back yet to get you because, by the way, it's been 2,000 years and he still hasn't come back to get us. Go back to this promise. Go back to this challenge. Go back to this purpose. Students, I want to tell you something. We've been talking about what is your purpose. You know what your purpose is, your overall purpose? It's that. It's to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. And when you feel stuck and you feel hopeless and you feel like I don't have a purpose, I don't know why I'm doing this, even if it's the most simple, practical thing. Why did I sign up for this? Why am I doing this? I can't wait till it's over. I can't wait till the semester is over. This year has not been good. My grades are terrible. I can't wait until I'm out of the house and I I can get away from my family and my parents. I don't know what you feel, but if you feel stuck and you have nowhere else to turn, go back to Acts 1 verse 8. Acts 1 verse 8. What is my purpose? It's to be a witness, even in the sticky situation, even when I don't want to. My purpose, the reason I'm here, because the promise for the disciples is same, the same for us today. Be his witnesses. I had this piece of wood, right? And when we talk about going from 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 here to there, sometimes we can feel this small, right? We can feel really, really tiny. I'm going to put this on the ground. A lot of you can't even see this unless you're on the front row. Sometimes you can feel real small and like, God, what are you doing? God, where are you? But I want you to know that when you include things like the power of one and the power of consistency, right, doing the same thing over and over and over again, the power of one, one small action, being intentional, one decision, one conversation, one moment in a friend's life, in a person's life, you might start small, but if you've ever seen dominoes before, you've ever played with dominoes before like I did growing up because we had nothing else, this is... You've seen this before. And if I can get this board to stay. If it will, because it stayed earlier. Let me show you what'll happen. It's not gonna stay. Come on now. We prayed about this. Just kidding. Alright, can you help me for a second? Will you hold this for me? Just a little wobbly. When you want to go, see, sometimes, right? We we see the there and we're like, I'm so small and the there is so big like i feel like god has given me so much potential how can i get to here and what we do is sometimes we spin our wheels doing things that will never work we we try and we try and we try because we don't want to wait or because we don't understand the purpose in the process or because we don't want to be consistent and we just want the results we want it quick we want it now Or maybe because we don't know that there's power in one conversation, one decision, one action. And that God, you can let go in just a second. And you can drop it. It missed. It missed. But that God will use it. Even though that one didn't knock down. God will use it. And there will be a ripple effect and he'll do more than we could ever imagine.